One of my favorite books of all time is Wonder by R.J. Palacio. Have you read this book? Or maybe you've seen the movie with Julia Roberts and Owen Wilson. It is such a profound book and perfect for kiddos going into fourth, fifth, sixth grade who might need to start looking at the world beyond themselves, might need to be seeing compassion for other people around them. But here's the gist of the book. It's about this little boy named Augie, August, who looks different. He has some facial deformities that stand out. He can't blend in with the crowd as well as other people can. And this draws attention and negative attention to him. It hurts his heart. It hurts the heart of his family. And he had stayed home all these years until fifth grade when he finally goes to public school. And as you can imagine, sometimes school can be a wonderful environment, but sometimes school can be really hard, especially hard for kids like Augie. He gets bullied. He gets bullied by this boy named Julian. And Julian is kind of ruthless. The story unfolds and you can see some really wonderful character building for all the characters involved, not just Augie. We're not necessarily talking about character building today. We're talking about bullies. I bet if I were to ask you if you could picture a bully from your childhood, a bully from your teenage years, high school, you could picture someone. I hope that you were not the recipient of the bullying, and I especially hope that you were not the bully. (laughs) But I'm hoping that if that's the case and these years have gone by, that we've gotten to the other side of that that you can ask forgiveness, you can seek forgiveness. But that's not really what we're talking about today. Well, we are. We're talking about bullies, but we're talking about bullies not in middle school, not in high school. We're talking about bullies in your home. Did you know that there can be bullies in your home? And I don't mean your kiddos. I don't mean the cat who is territorial. I don't mean the inhabitants of your home unless those inhabitants are possessions. That's what we're talking about. And a quick side note, if you have seen Wonder, if you've seen that movie, if you've read that book, and you are just thinking the bully Julian is just a little punk, I want you to go back and I want you to read Augie and Me. It's the sequel, and it gives you behind the scenes a little bit more in-depth story about who he is, who Julian is, and makes you not hate him so much. And then, when you've read that, I want you to tell me how you liked it. (laughs) Okay, On to the show. Let's talk about the bully in home design because there really can be one and we really can overcome it. We grew up with the phrase, home is where the heart is, but our culture has shifted and now the message is, home should be Pinterest perfect. I'm calling BS on that message. Home, it's not about the stuff, it's about the story. And whether you know it or not, your home is a reflection of you and is already saying something. So what is it that you want it to say? Hey, I'm Danny, a former first grade teacher turned home decorator. Going from a dual income to a single income so I could stay home with my babies meant budget, like ramen eating, Goodwill shopping budget. And I learned a few things along the way, like how to bring big style to your home without breaking the bank. And I'm sharing it all with you. Tips, tricks, decor, and design advice so you can learn to tell your story with your style where you can start living free from the Pinterest perfect trap and start living a life of intention. Welcome to Fig and Farm at Home, where we design happy living and where it doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. A bully in home design? What? 
Yes, that is a true thing. It can happen. And chances are you're living with one. But what is a bully in home design? A bully is an outlier. It's something that sticks out. It's something that demands attention in a dominating way. Not necessarily a negative way, but a dominating way. It commands your attention in your visual field. Sometimes it just commands your attention because it takes up so much space. A bully can be small, big, it can be round, flat, it can be on the wall or on the floor, it can be in any room of your home. But how do you identify a bully? And what do you do with it once you do? That's what we're talking about today. And after you're done listening to this, you might want to go on a scavenger hunt in your own home so that you can identify and eradicate any of the bullies that are sticking out. So why is having a bully in your home a bad thing? A bully can make something in your room feel off. It can make this idea of you creating a cohesive space feel not so cohesive. It can be the reason why when you walk into your room, you think something doesn't feel quite right in here and I'm not entirely sure what it is. It can be the reason why you are always stuck in design paralysis. Why when it comes to your home and making decisions about color or artwork or things to purchase, you're just not sure. Bullies can take on that responsibility. And identifying those bullies can be a good thing because not only will we understand what they are, we can eliminate them or we can work around them so that they are no longer bullies. They can become intentional parts of your story, like kiddos getting along well in the sandbox, right? That's what we want. We want all of the elements within your room, within your design, to get along like they would be playing well in a sandbox. That is the goal. (laughs) There's good news and there's bad news. The good news is that bullies can be identifiable. The bad news is a bully can be absolutely anything. It can be a wall treatment. It can be a color. It can be a color palette. It can be your furniture. It can be oversized or undersized elements within your room. It can be textiles. It can be art. It can be mirrors. It can be clumps of furniture placed together. It can be a myriad of things. And back to the good news, identifying them can be easier than you think. So are you asking yourself, gosh, do I have a bully? Do I? (laughs) I want you to ask yourself the questions I pondered a little bit in the beginning. When you walk into a room, whatever room you're thinking about in your mind, but just choose one. When you walk into that room, do you think something feels off? I can't quite get the look to feel cohesive. And I'm always stuck with indecision when it comes to knowing what to do what to purchase, where to place it in this room, in this space. Starting with one room is going to be a lot easier than starting with the whole house, by the way. A lot like when we're designing our our home from scratch. And if you're not sure what I mean by that, go back and listen to episode six, where we literally ask the question, but where do I start? And you're starting with a purpose. But when you're asking yourself those questions, you're saying, is something kind of off in here? Does this look cohesive? Or what what is the barrier that is keeping the look cohesive in here? Or why can't I make a decision? Chances are very strong that you have a bully that is demanding your attention in a dominating way, not necessarily a negative way. In fact, oftentimes we can turn those bullies into peacemakers, into space holders, into happy cohabitants of your room. 
One of the ways that we can identify a bully is by taking a picture. So get out your phone, get out your camera, and I want you to take a picture. I don't want you to take a video, I want you to take a picture. You're going to take as many pictures as you can from the center of your room and turning yourself around in a 360 degree area so that you can see picture after picture after picture as if you're taking a video. But the reason I want you to not take a video is because I want you to have that still image. Oftentimes, that still image is going to exacerbate the problem area. Kind of like if you've ever looked at an outfit, you've tried on an outfit and you take a picture and look, how does that really look? Have you done that? If you haven't, try it. <laughs> Sometimes it can accentuate all the good parts or it can accentuate all the bad parts. The idea is the same. In home design, you want something to pop out if it's not quite right. This is always a rule of thumb whenever I'm, I'm redesigning my bookshelf, whenever I am decorating a room, whenever I am staging a home, I'm always stopping and taking a picture and looking at it through that lens to see if something pops out at me. Remember, the goal is not perfection. The goal is to see if something stands out. And if something stands out, I want you to wonder what it is that stands out. What grabs your eye and your attention in that way? I'm not entirely sure what it is about the viewpoint of your camera rather than real life. Perhaps it's taking that moment to pause. Perhaps it's allowing yourself not to be distracted by the things out of the corner of your eye. Sometimes the things that could stand out could be metals or colors or shapes or patterns. Sometimes it can be the way that a piece of furniture looks too big or it's clumped together with too many dark, similar toned furniture pieces. Sometimes. Sometimes it might look just fine. Go to the next frame and do the same thing. What is standing out to you? Is there something that's standing out? And before you start removing those things that are standing out, I want you to write those things down. What are they? What were the things that stood out in the first frame and the second and the third and so on? What are the things that are standing out? Do you have one orange picture frame and no orange anywhere else in the room? That could stand out. And in that case, that orange picture frame could be a bully because it's dominating your attention. It's dominating that visual field. It's commanding attention in, a, in an area that it should not be. And if that orange picture frame is your scenario, something similar, there is a quick fix to that. And we're going to get to it in just a minute. But once you have taken those pictures and you've gone through frame by frame and you've written down all of the elements that have stood out to you that are demanding your attention, what is it about those elements? I want you to write down what they look like. And you don't have to be super descriptive, but you do want to take note of maybe the shape the size, the color, the finish, like is it wood or is it metal? And if it is metal, what kind of metal? Same thing with wood. If it is wood, what is the tone of wood? Now I want you to go through item by item and maybe you've only picked one item. Maybe you've only picked two. Maybe you've picked five. I don't know. However many you've gone through, I want you to go through one by one and I want you to physically pick up the item if you can, if it's small enough to hold. And I want you to think about this in the way that it looks. You've written down the shape, you've written down the, the color, the size, the, the finish. And I want you to look around the room from one vantage point. I want you to look around the room and I want you to see if there is another 
item, not the same item, but another item that has similar properties. Is there an item with a similar color? Is there an item with a similar wood tone? Is there an item with a similar size or shape? Is there an item with the same metal finish? Here's the key. Repetition is a word you need to know in home design. Repetition is the key for making a room feel cohesive and to eliminate any bullies that you might have. Repetition. Repetition is going to be your friend here. And it doesn't mean that you need to buy five of one item. What it means is if you have one item that is standing out to you in one way and you're not sure why it's standing out to you, do you have something of a similar material makeup as that item? Let's take an example here. On my bookshelf, I have brass bookends. They are ram's heads. They're super cute. (laughs) And they're holding up some books. So they are cute and they are functional. In order for that brass ram head to make sense in that room, I need to see brass somewhere else within that same visual field. And I need to see it not just one other time. I need to see it at least two more times. So repetition times three is the key, is my formula. From my bookshelf, I can look around and I can see, yep, I've got a brass starburst mirror in that same visual field. Check. If it was just those two, they might feel a little funky. They might feel a little off. But I'm continuing to scan my room and I notice my coffee table. It is a vintage piece with brass legs and a glass top. And the feet of the, of the coffee table look like hooves. So now I have repetition in a couple ways. I've got this, this interesting animal bookend, and now I have this interesting nod to an animal with the legs of my coffee table. Are you wondering what this looks like? <laughs> so I have the repetition with the brass, and if you continued looking around that room from that same vantage point, you would see brass here and there, other places. But what about the animal? What about the, the nod to the animal? I've got the brass ram head bookends. I have the hooved brass coffee table. And then I have a white Otomi porcelain lamp sitting on my, my entryway table. And if you're familiar with the Otomi design, it is pretty common on textiles. And generally, it is embroidered. It is beautiful work. And it is just a textile artwork that is um, full of animals lots of colorful images. On my lamp, however, it is all white. So now I'm taking that and I'm looking around the room and do I have white as repetition? Yes, I do. So you can see how this can be a game of I spy. Okay, so we've talked about what happens when the material finish, when it's wood or brass or a type of metal, even the animal piece, what happens if the bully is not the right size? This can be a little bit harder to identify because it's not as easy as noticing if there's repetition there. So how do you notice if something is the wrong size? This is more nuanced, but you're on the right track. You're already asking yourself the question, what doesn't feel quite right here? You're being a little bit more intentional with thinking about your space. Those two things are going to help you understand and notice what might be the wrong size. So once you're starting to be more intentional and mindful about the things in your room and how it's all playing together, you might start noticing the way it's a little bit laborious to walk around your furniture. Or you might start noticing 
curtains in pictures of magazines or in Google searches and taking pause when you think, my curtains don't quite look the same size. They don't quite look like they're hanging the same length. You might start paying attention to all of those things. And if you're really doing your homework, you're going back to episode seven, re-listening to that and taking lots of notes. This is where I teach you how to use Pinterest to your advantage, where you will start picking up on your aesthetic. And in doing that, you're going to start noticing things like furniture size, curtain size, artwork size, little nuances that complete the room. And if you're still not quite sure what might be the bully in your room, let's talk about the ones that I've found to be most common and ways to remediate them. I have four. The first one is repetition. And I don't just mean lack of repetition. I also mean too much repetition. I'll talk about each one specifically. So the lack of repetition, we've already mentioned that. If you have one color that is is popping up in your home design and it is the only time you see that color, you can remediate that by adding some other elements with that color. So for example, we have that orange picture frame and it's sitting and it's so cute on your bookshelf. Can you bring in some other orange elements? Can you bring in a pillow that has a little bit of orange on it? Do you have a little candle holder to go on your bookshelf that is has a little bit of orange on it? It doesn't have to be so saturated orange. It just needs to show up somewhere else. Otherwise, that picture frame, even in its 8 by 10 state, can be a massive bully. And when does repetition cross the line to be too much? The most common way we see that is when you have too many wood tones. Wood tones in home design is a really good thing. Wood, by its very nature, adds warmth and a natural element to your space. But when you combine so many wood tones in one area, it can be too much. So for example, if we're in that living room and we have a natural wood bookshelf, and then we have some natural wood things on our bookshelf, like maybe picture frames or little little boxes to hold trinkets. But then we have the wood coffee table and we have a wood side table and those wood tones are not the same. Even if they were the same, that could be too much. So this is a case where a little bit goes a long way and you definitely want to have some wood in your home in order to make that the warmth happen. But if you're finding that something in your room doesn't quite feel right, check the wood. How many pieces of furniture do you have in that one sight line that are made of wood? How many different tones of wood do you have? But even if they're all the same, like what could be a standard bedroom set, you've got the headboard, you've got the side tables or the nightstands, you have the dressers, and they're all the same. Sometimes, even though they are all the same wood tone, what changes a little bit goes a long way in home design turns into a heaviness that is a little bit less interesting. And so if you're wondering if that doesn't quite feel right, ask yourself that. You might love the matchy-matchy, and if you do, fantastic. You don't need to make a change. But if you're wondering something doesn't quite feel right, it could be that there are too many wood tones competing for your attention in one space. It doesn't mean in the case of the matchy-matchy that you have to get rid of everything, but maybe you keep the nightstands and you change your headboard. Maybe you keep the headboard and you change your nightstands. So when you're looking for the bully in your room, look for repetition, the lack of or the abundance of. 
Okay, number two, another common bully is the wrong size. And I've already mentioned this can be a little trickier to identify. So here are some things that I commonly see and really quick rules of thumb for making sure it's the right size for you. So one of the most common things I see is curtain size. Off the shelf at a big box store, we'll say Target, they are going to be too short for your windows. Those are 84 inch curtains or shorter. And generally speaking, you want the curtains to hang from the rod to your floor. And sometimes you can give a little wiggle room an inch or two up, or if you like the pooling, an inch or two pooling. But generally, if it hits right below your window, it is too short. Another thing is a rug. And this can be really hard to size, but here's the rule of thumb. You want your front feet of your furniture to be placed on the rug. You don't want your rug to be floating on the, on the floor without anything touching it. You want it to have the front feet of your furniture that should define your sitting area to be on the rug. A quick way to remediate that, if your rug that you have, if you already have, is a patterned rug, you love it, and it just is floating there, you can grab a, a larger size in a neutral color, maybe jute, maybe cream, and you can layer the rug. Layer your patterned rug on top of the cream, on top of the jute. Another common thing I see that is often the wrong size is furniture. Maybe the dining table is too long for the space that you have. Maybe the couch is too overstuffed for the room that it's sitting in. Maybe the coffee table is too short for the length of the couch it's sitting in front of. Checking the sizing, if you already have it, can be as easy as taking stock of how easy it is to access the furniture. Are you constantly tripping over the extra large coffee table in order to sit on the couch? Maybe the coffee table is too big. Do you not have enough space for, for seating, but you have more floor space? Maybe your, your couch is too small. Does your dining table take up the majority of your dining room, and every time you pull out a dining chair, you are running into the wall? Your dining table might be too big. Understanding that isn't as easy as giving you a formula. It's something that needs to be looked at within each particular space. But if you're being more intentional about something doesn't feel quite right, check the sizing. Check to see how much floor space there is to walk around so that you can access the dining table. How much floor space is there once you put the oversized sectional in your living room? Is there room for anything else? And are you just stuffing it into a corner. Being mindful of the sizing can, especially if you're purchasing furniture, is really an important step not to be missed. So if you are at that stage where you are purchasing furniture, here's a quick tip for how to make that happen. When you have the furniture piece in mind that you want to purchase, and if you have a blank room, an empty room, or a room that doesn't have too much stuff in it yet, I want you to tape the dimensions of that couch where you want to place it on the floor. And I want you to live with that for a couple days in order to, to determine how convenient it is sizing wise. And then once you start adding new things, chairs, coffee table, you'll do the same thing and you'll tape it out, tape the perimeter out in order to make sure that the sizing feels right, in order to make sure that you can actually walk around those pieces, keeping in mind that sometimes there are sharp corners that you have to walk around. So just because your foot can fit between those two taped pieces doesn't always mean that there's enough space. 
But what happens if you have a fully furnished room already and you want to have that same idea? You can. You can do the same thing. Instead of taping, grab some socks, grab some scarves, grab jump ropes, grab something that will mimic the tape and lay it on the same way. You have to lay some on the furniture, lay it on the furniture in the same way that you might have, you might do with tape. But in this time, you're draping, you're draping the material or the jump rope or whatever you have over furniture in order to make that happen. Any pieces you can eliminate from the room, though, do. You can probably move a coffee table. You can probably move small chairs. If you have to keep the big couch, keep it, but use those small things like socks, scarves, jump ropes in order to get an accurate idea of how big the new couch is going to be in the space that you want it to be. Artwork is another thing that is oftentimes the wrong size. Sometimes it's too small. Sometimes it's too big. How do you know? Here's a general idea. Let's say you have, let's say you have a piece of art above your couch, and if your couch is 72 inches wide, you want your art to be between 50 to 80% the width of the couch. So about two-thirds is a good rule of thumb. So 72 inches divided by three, quick math, what is that? I don't know, 24? How'd I do? 24 times two is 48. So 48 inches of that couch width is going to be your art size. And then you'll have the 24-inch remainder, 12 on each side of the art. It doesn't have to be one ginormous piece. It can be lots of little pieces. It can be a gallery wall. It can be shoving to have that um, the picture rail look. Whatever it is, it should be about two-thirds the width of your couch. That would be the right size. One of the other things I see often that is a really quick fix but can become a bully in the room. Are you ready for this fancy schmancy design term? Sometimes furniture is too clumpy. (laughs) And I don't mean overstuffed. What I mean is too much in one area. So for example, if you have a furniture set and your set is leather or your set is all gray, if you place all of those pieces of furniture together in one area, that becomes too clumpy. In other words, it can become too visually heavy. So one way to break that up could be side tables, coffee tables. You can even put textiles if the clumpiness is is, um, your couch, your couch and your side chairs. You can break up the clumpiness by having an area rug, by having pillows that make it so that you can have pillows that contrast with the color of the couch in order to break up that color. Sometimes it's just a matter of rearranging a little bit. A quick and easy fix if your bully is clumping. (laughs) Okay, and number four, one of the other common bullies I see is color. And we've already talked a lot about the color in, in terms of repetition, like the accessories in your room, but pay attention to that. Pay attention to whatever color you have within that space. Can you see it somewhere else within your room at least three times? This includes wall color. What color is your wall? Do you have one accent wall that is a deep, deep blue, but there is no other blue in your room? That blue wall, which you are hoping to be a focal point, now becomes the bully because there's no other blue. But you can bring in blue in other ways. You can bring it in textiles. You can bring it in pillows. You can bring it in candle holders. You can bring it in in books. 
you can bring in blue in other ways so that you can have that repetition in order to make that cohesive look. Now, if you're starting from scratch and you're wondering if your color, the color on your wall, is in fact a bully, I want you to go back and I want you to listen to episode, I believe it's 13, where we talk about creating a, a cohesive color palette. And that cohesive color palette is as simple as a color formula. Here it is, quick repeat. Basically, you're going to have three add-ins to equal 100. The first add-in is your foundational color, and it is about 60%, maybe 70%. So let's say your foundational color is a light gray. That you will have within your open concept, within your living room, within wherever room you're in, you want that foundational color to be about 60 to 70% of the color that you see. And then whatever remainder you have to 100, you're going to have as your accent color. Let's say we have 60% gray. That means we have 40% to play with. Maybe we want two accent colors. Maybe we want navy blue and teal. And navy blue, we want to be dominant, 30% and 10% teal. Quick math, 60 plus 30 plus 10 equals 100. That is my color formula. Now, one rule of thumb to make your home feel cohesive if you have an open concept, wherever hallways lead into rooms and those rooms are open, that should be the same color palette. Did you get that? So for example, if you were to walk into my home, you would see my library, my dining room, my kitchen, my little sunroom area, and the hallway that connects them, and the living room. All of those have the same color formula including the stairway and the hallways upstairs. Once you start closing doors, that is when you can create your own little, your own little color palette, your own little cohesive color palette for that room. Once a door is shut, you can play in there. So whatever that color formula is for you, that can help you determine if one of the, the walls you're worried about is a bully, is in fact actually a bully or not. So a quick recap before we close out. A bully in home design is an outlier, or it is an element within your room that demands attention in a dominating way. It can be absolutely anything, but some of the most common bullies that we see are repetition. The lack of repetition or the overabundance of repetition, the wrong size, too small or too big, clumping, <laughs> or color. Identifying the bully and and remediating it to make sure that it is playing nicely with the rest of your things is an easy fix, especially if you remember the word repetition and repetition in a good way. All right, I hope those tips were helpful. And I want to know if after your scavenger hunt, you found a bully and what it is. So tag me over on Instagram at Fig and Farm to share with me what your home bully is, or maybe you didn't have one. Or if you need a little bit of help, trying to figure out if you have a bully in your room and what to do about it, I encourage you to book a room edit. A room edit is a chance for you to get a designer's eye in your space. It allows the opportunity for conversation to happen and change to be made, creating the look and feel of the home environment that you want on your timeline. So go check it out. See if it's right for you at bigandfarmathome.com. Look under the tab, work with me, or the link will be in the show notes. All right, until next time, I'll see you soon. Hey, real quick before you go, if you learned something new or found value in today's podcast, 
Would you head over to iTunes to Fig and Farm at Home and leave a review and subscribe to the show? That would be awesome. And if you'd like to connect with my community of mamas who are learning to be intentional storytellers within their own homes, join us at bit.ly forward slash design 101 group. There's always more room at the table. See you soon.